So tonight, tonight we're starting a brand new series that I'm excited about. It's called School Wars. And I'm pumped about School Wars, and I've already had a lot of students come up to me and say, well, um, what, is, what is School Wars all about? And so here's kind of the bottom line, big idea for what School Wars is all about. It's a series about tough competitions and even tougher questions. Okay, so this is a series about tough competitions. In fact, this is actually written on the top of your notes. It's about tough competitions and even tougher questions. Now, when I think of tough competitions, I just can't help but think about last Saturday in Athens, Georgia, when the University of Georgia Bulldogs stomped Clemson. We got a little... Uh, Look at that. Ah. Oh. Just, just moment of silence for Todd Gurley. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, uh, real quick, is McKenna in the room? Is McKenna in the room? No, McKenna's not. Okay, well, she, she, she's the one that, like, killed it on Ocean. She's the one that sang. She's a big old Clemson fan, so it makes me so happy that we won. Ah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So here's the deal. If you, if you like competitions, if you like winning, if you like UGA, then you're going to love, love, love this series because we're having competitions for the next four weeks. So here's what that means. That means every Thursday night when you come here, we're going to do a competition on stage, and you're going to have a chance to win points for your grade. And throughout the week, we're going to post stuff online on Instagram and on Twitter. And as you take those challenges, you're going to have a chance to win more points your grade. And here's the cool thing. Every student that comes and checks in, you get points for your grade. And, and every new person you bring actually gets even more points for your grade. So it's going to be awesome. So make sure to invite, keep bringing people. The more people in your grade, the more points you get. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Oh, and then of course the winner uh, the winning grade, uh, the very last week of School Wars, just gets a big old pile of donuts. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. Now, now, uh, the other thing that this series, the other thing this series is about is uh, this series is about even tougher questions. Now, these are questions that, like, you're actually asking, like real-life questions that you want to know the answers to. In fact, for some of you, these are going to be questions that maybe up until this point, you've, like, you've been afraid to ask. Or maybe, maybe for you, you didn't know that you could ask these questions in church. Because maybe, maybe there's a few of you in this room that, you like, you've been coming to M12, and you've been reading scripture a little bit, and you've been praying and talking, and then all of a sudden you get this question, and you start questioning your faith. And then when you do that, you feel like you're betraying God. And you're like, I can't, I can't ask those questions. Or maybe for you, you're afraid that if you keep asking those questions, that it's going to lead to this. It's going to lead to doubt. And Christians aren't supposed to doubt, right? Like Christians, Christians aren't supposed to have faith. We're not supposed to doubt. And so you're scared to death and you kind of feel sick to your stomach because you're afraid that these questions, if they continue being asked, are going to lead to doubt. And you feel like if you doubt, then you're going to let your friends down. You're going to let your family down. Maybe you feel like if I doubt, I feel like I'm going to let H12 down or M12 down. Maybe, maybe you feel like I'm going to let, I'm going to let God down. And that's, that's kind of where, where we find ourselves. And so maybe for you, you're like, maybe you like grew up 
in a culture where um, like you're not supposed to ask questions or you're not supposed to doubt and if you doubt then like you feel like maybe you're not being a good Christian and 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 in the middle of all this I'm reminded of a story and it's one of one of my favorite stories it's about a guy that lived during the time of Jesus and he had a son who had an impure spirit and we don't really know too much about this kid but we 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 know that the impure spirit was bad enough that it was actually life-threatening and so the dad goes up to Jesus he says Jesus Jesus my son he has an impure spirit Jesus can you please help Jesus heal him if you can and then this is what Jesus says he says if you can said Jesus everything is possible for the one who believes and so immediately the boy's father exclaimed I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief in other words the dad was saying I believe but I don't believe like I believe but sometimes I don't believe like like Jesus I believe you but man sometimes sometimes I have questions God I love you but but sometimes sometimes I doubt I believe I believe but I don't believe and so this series is for you if you find yourself in this position just like the father where you're like God I believe but I've got some questions I believe but help me overcome my unbelief so the so the whole idea of this series is we hope this series will help you overcome your unbelief and so we're gonna be talking about a lot of different questions in fact these are just a few this isn't all of them but this is some of them uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead we're gonna talk about that question is it a sin to get a tattoo I hope not. Um, why do bad things happen to good people? That's a great question. How do I know when God is speaking to me? If someone commits suicide, do they go to hell? Can I trust the Bible? How could a loving God send people to hell? Is drinking a sin? And so, and so these are all the questions that maybe you have, maybe you've been struggling with this, uh, and, and, and we're actually going to talk about this, but check it out. Um, if you have a question you actually have a chance to participate. And so don't do this right now, but at the end of the service, we're going to throw this slide up. You're going to tweet your tough questions using the hashtag School Wars and hashtag M12SL. And so if you've got a question that you really want to ask, tweet it to these two hashtags, and who knows? We might talk about it here at M12. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about um, a topic that I think, I think this is the question you have to answer before you, before you go on to any other questions. In other words, this is like, this is like foundational. Like you got to answer this question before we go on to any other question. Because this question, this question um, is all about this one artifact of our faith. See, our faith revolves around this one artifact. And if that artifact is true, that means our faith is true. But if that artifact is false, that means much of our faith is false. And the artifact we're going to be talking about today is the Bible the Bible. And so today's big question, we got it on the screen, can I trust the Bible? Can I trust the Bible? Like, like is the Bible reliable? Um, um, is the Bible actually the Word of God? Like, is this true? Can I trust the Bible? And so before we, before we begin answering this question, I want to read um, a verse of Scripture about scripture. So if you would, grab your Bibles. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. This is going to be on page 1206. 
page 1206 in the Bible that you got in your hands. By the way, if um, we're going to be talking about the Bible uh, all of tonight, which I think is going to be really awesome. And if you don't have like a Bible of your own, like maybe you're new to church or maybe it's been a while since you've been to church, um, if that's you, we want you to have this Bible as our gift to you. Okay, so if you don't have a Bible at home, take this one home with you. You can write your name in it. This is like we want you to have this Bible. So um, page 1,000, page 1,206, Hebrews chapter 4, here's what it says. Starting in verse 12, it says, The Word of God, and that's this right here, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And what the writer is saying right here is the Bible is a big deal. It's a big deal. Our whole faith centers around it. It, it, it cuts to the heart like it is the word of God. It is alive and active. And so this question is incredibly important. We got to know the answer to this question. Can I trust can I trust the Bible? Now, um, the Bible that you're holding in your hand, this is actually pretty cool. This is thousands of years old. Okay? Not... Not like the actual one you're holding in your hand, but like the text inside is thousands of years old, and it's written by over 40 different people. And it's got a lot of unbelievable stories, a lot of unbelievable stories. And so a lot of times, the question that comes up first when you talk about the Bible is this. Did that actually happen? Like, like for real. Did that really happen? Like, like I mean, that's a cool story. But did that actually happen? Um, how, many of you, how many of you have a friend that tells, like, just the best stories on the planet? Like, they are such a good storyteller. Anyone have someone like that? Yeah. Um, all right, real quick. As you think about that friend that tells these great, great stories, how many of you would say that sometimes your friend has a tendency to lie? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, like I, uh, man, I've got, I've got some friends, I've got some friends that, uh, dude, they're such good storytellers. I wish I could tell stories as good as they do. Like, they're just, like, like, I feel like I'm watching a movie when I'm listening to them tell a story. But then, I find myself at the end of it all, um, once they're done telling the story, I'm kind of like, did that actually happen? Like, like, that was a good, okay, that was a good story, but like. But come on, did that actually happen? Like, like did, did they actually meet her? Like, like, were they actually in the same room as that person? Like, did that thing actually occur? Did that actually happen? Right? That's the, that's the question you ask when your friend, who's so good at telling stories, in fact, they're telling, like, unbelievable stories, and the stories are so unbelievable that you don't believe it. Right? Because they're telling these unbelievable, and so you're asking these questions, did that actually happen? And sometimes you're reading scripture, and it's a crazy, awesome, wonderful story. And you ask, did that actually happen? Now, um, I'll tell you this, my friends that tell these crazy stories, this is what convinces me to know that what they're saying is actually true. If that person who's telling a crazy story, after they're done telling the story, if someone else walks up and says, yeah, I was there. It was awesome. Then I'm like, wait a second. I think they're actually telling the truth. Because there's someone that's like an eyewitness. Someone that actually saw it happen. And if there's someone else that can testify, someone else that's actually seen it, then I know that it actually did happen. 
And here's the cool thing about Scripture, is that the Bible that you're holding in your hand is full of eyewitnesses, people that were actually there. And so I've got, I've got three examples I want to show you from Scripture to answer this question that actually happened. And uh, they're, they're some of my favorites. So this isn't all of them. There's a ton of them, but we're going to show them on the screen. This one's from Luke. And here's the cool thing. There was a guy named Luke. He was actually a doctor. He was a really smart guy. And he decided to write about Jesus. And when he did that, he actually interviewed a bunch of people that had actually spent time with Jesus. And at the very beginning of his letter, here guys, listen up, listen up. At the very beginning of his letter, he writes this. He says, they, being these stories, were handed down to us by those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses. In other words, in other words, Luke is saying, hey, the stories that I'm telling you are from people that were actually there. So, so if you don't believe me, go talk to them. Like, I actually interviewed eyewitnesses, people that were actually there. So that's the first one. Here's the next one. This is, um, this is cool. This is from Genesis chapter 35. Um, when I was younger, I, uh, I tried to like read through the Bible, and I decided to start in Genesis. Has anyone ever done that before? Yeah, and then you get to like Leviticus, and you're like bored out of your brain. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can be, it can be a little overwhelming. Now, I started reading in Genesis, and even as a kid, there was this one phrase that I loved. This one phrase that just completely like blew my mind. And it was this phrase, to this day. Because what the writer was saying was, even now, if you look... You can see what happened to this day. So, so this is one example. Um, there was a guy named Jacob, and he had a wife named Rachel. And uh, Rachel actually passed away. And so on her tomb, he built this monument. And this is what he says here. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar. And to this day, to this day, this is huge. To this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. In other words, I'm telling this story. And if you don't believe me, you can go check it out. It's there. Like, like, Today, you can go see, to this day, you can actually see the tomb. And I love that because throughout Genesis, this is what the writer does. He's telling a story, and then he kind of steps aside, and he says, and if you don't believe me, you can go look. It's right there. Okay, so here's the last one, Genesis. Uh, this one is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, there's this guy named Paul that used to try and kill Christians, and then he became one. And so that was a little awkward, right? And uh, so he's following after Jesus, and uh, he starts writing letters to people that were Christians. And there were people that were doubting that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And so in this part, he starts talking, and I want you to pay attention to the words highlighted in blue. This is what he says. Christ, Jesus, was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. And see, this is what Paul was saying. This is what Paul was saying. He said, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, and I'm not the only one that saw it. If you don't believe me, go talk to Cephas. And then if you don't believe me, and you don't believe Cephas, go talk to the twelve. Go talk to the 12 disciples. And then if you still don't believe me, and you don't believe Cephas, and you don't believe the 12, then talk to more of the 500 people that actually saw Jesus. And then he says this, and I love this. He says, most of whom are still living. What he's saying is, these guys are still alive. If you don't believe me, go talk to them. The whole reason he put most of whom are still living is because he wants his readers to actually see that this happened. Eyewitnesses 
after what actually occurred. And as you look throughout scripture, you see people saying, I was there, I actually saw it, and if you don't believe me, you can talk to him. It's incredible. And then there's all this like archaeological evidence to support the fact that the Bible is actually true. Um, but this one is uh, like we don't have time to go through all that because there's a lot of different facts. But, but, but I want to show you this one. This is cool. It's a, it's a statement by a guy named Dr. Earl Rodmacher. Now, Dr. Earl Rodmacher is like a million times smarter than I am, okay? And he is an archaeologist. In fact, he is considered by everyone, Christian and non-Christian, to be like one of the top three archaeologists in the entire world. So this guy is incredibly, incredibly intelligent. And this is what he says. In all of my archaeological investigation, I've never found one artifact of antiquity that contradicts any statement of the Word of God. In other words, as I'm doing research, as I'm digging around, as I'm like looking at all these like ancient places that people lived, I have yet to see one thing that goes against Scripture. In other words, this brainiac, super smart guy is saying, it's true. It's true. Like, the question, did that actually happen? The answer is yes. Yes, it did. Now, now I know there may be some of you in the room that are like, okay, well, like, I'm with you, and I believe that when the people actually wrote down, like, what was happening, they weren't lying, they were telling the truth. But here's the problem I got. I think, maybe, maybe this is you, that someone wrote down scripture and then someone else like copied it and they kind of changed a few things and then they copied it and they changed a few things and copied it until like it's kind of like this big historical game of telephone you know and it starts with one message and it ends up being an entirely different message and so maybe the question for you maybe the 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 worry that you have is this has the bible changed like this is thousands of years old are we sure that the bible today is the same as it was thousands of years ago? This is a great question. And to, to begin answering this question, I want to I tell you a story. Um, and this is a true story. You can look it up. It's, um, it's pretty cool. It happened, it happened back in 1947. Um, I'm not that old. Uh, I wasn't alive when this happened. Um, but back in 1947, there was this little, uh, this little like shepherd kid that lived in the Qumran region of the Middle East. It like overlooked the Dead Sea. Um, anyways, he, he, he was living in the Middle East, and he was a shepherd, and shepherds have like sheep and goats, you know what I'm saying, and so they're like, bah, going all like crazy, and uh, one of the goats uh, actually like crawls up into this cave, and so the shepherd kid is like, uh-oh, I need to get my goat, right, I got to get that out of the cave, and so this is what he does, he goes up to the cave, but he's, you know, he's scared, I think he's a, a little wimp, whatever, it's fine, and so he's scared, so he grabs a rock, and he throws it in the cave to try and scare the goat out. Here's what happened. When he threw the rock, it hit a clay pot. He heard the sound of pottery breaking, which is kind of strange. So a lot of archaeologists actually went into that cave, and they found over 20 clay pots filled with ancient scrolls. Ancient scrolls. In fact, they started to do some research on these scrolls. Uh, they did what's called carbon dating. Some of you may have heard of this. It's the way we know like how old things are. They did carbon dating, and they found out these scrolls were actually around before Jesus was alive. Isn't that crazy? Over 2,000 years ago, these scrolls were actually there, which is like these are crazy, crazy old scrolls. Now, here's the cool thing. They weren't just any scrolls. They were actually ancient scrolls of this, the Old Testament. Everything from like here to here 
in those scrolls. And these are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And so, and so what the people were thinking was, oh my gosh, for once, we can actually answer this question. Has the Bible changed? Because we can see if the scrolls from 2,000 years ago are different from the Bible that we have today, then we know that the Bible has changed. And so they did research on these scrolls. You know what they found? They found that these ancient scrolls over 2,000 years old were exactly the same as the Bible that you hold in your hand. 2,000 years, and there was literally no difference. No difference. In other words, the Bible has not been altered at all, which is, which is kind of cool for me. Like as someone, um, back in 1947, people were starting to say, hey, all those prophecies about Jesus, those were actually written after Jesus. That's what they claimed. And then when they saw these scrolls, they realized that those prophecies had to have happened before Jesus actually lived, which means Jesus actually fulfilled prophecies before he was around, which is incredible. Now, um, here's, here's the other thing that this brings up, is uh, the topic of manuscripts. Has anyone ever heard the term manuscripts before? Manuscripts, um, actually the next slide if we could, awesome. Um, manuscripts is a really like fancy word for copies. Now, uh, if you wanna save something on your computer, you like save it to the cloud, or you save it on your phone, or like, you know, you save it to like a flash drive or something like that. Back in the day, if people wanted to save something, they couldn't save it on flash drives. They had to save it by making copies. So what that means is, if you wrote me a letter, and I wanted to actually save that letter, then I would make all these different copies of it to make sure that I kept track of the letter that you wrote me. Now, here's the cool thing. The more letters that you have, the more you know you can trust that what was actually there is what was originally said. So for instance, if I have 10 copies of something and one of the copies is a little different, I can look at the other nine copies to know for sure what was said. Now, here's the cool thing. There's a, a lot of different manuscripts for ancient texts, and I just want to compare what the New Testament, how the New Testament compares to all the other ones. So we're going to show a graph of Julius Caesar, the Gallic Wars. This is stuff that's like actually in your textbooks. Now, how many, just as a guess, we're not going to put it up, how many copies do you think this one has? How many copies? 2,000? Here's the actual answer. 10 copies. So, so here's what that means. This thing that's in your history books that your teachers say is fact, there were 10 ancient copies of this. And here's the other cool thing. Um, the, the, the time gap between when the copy was made and when it was originally written was about a thousand years. So there's a thousand year gap between when it was written and when the copy was first made. Ten copies, okay? Now Plato, this is stuff that's like tweeted about, this is stuff that's in your history books. How many copies do you think for Plato? We'll go ahead and show it. Seven. Seven copies. So, so here's what that means. People that are quoting Plato are, are, are quoting one of the seven copies that we have, and it's our best guess at what Plato actually said. Okay, here's the next one. Homer's the Iliad. How many? How many you think? I was like, you guys are really smart. That is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 643, we, uh, yeah, yeah, we showed it ahead of time. Okay, so, so we see all these different copies, and for this one, the Iliad, it's got 643 copies, which is actually amazing. And the time gap between when it was written and when the first copy was, was actually 400 years, which is pretty good. Now, what is your guess for how many copies we have of the New Testament? 
Okay. Okay, okay, so. So in order, in order to show this, we got to kind of squeeze the graph a little bit. The New Testament has 24,970 copies. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. And this isn't like the copies uh, like that you're holding in your hand. These are ancient documents. Ancient documents. 24,000 manuscripts. 24,000 copies. Which means we can know with certainty that what's written down and what was originally written down is exactly what they originally intended. And here's the best part. The time gap. The time gap between when it was originally written and when the first manuscript was found was 40 years. So these other things that we take as fact that's in your history book, 643 copies with a 400-year time gap, 7 copies with a 1,300-year time gap, 10 copies with a 1,000-year time gap, and yet the New Testament stands above the rest. In fact, there's another like, really smart doctor, um, Dr. Uh, Bruce, I believe is his name. This is what he says. The quantity of New Testament material is almost embarrassing it's like UGA beating Clemson. It's just embarrassing, you know what I'm saying? It's almost embar uh, embarrassing in comparison with the other works of history. In other words, when you look at the New Testament and you want to know, did that actually happen? And you want to know, is this actually what was originally written? According to this guy, he's like, yeah, it doesn't even compare. So, Here's, here's kind of my final question that I want to ask to you, and this is a question that we're going to ask at the end of every single week. Here's the question. What will you do with the answers that you heard today? What will you do with the answers you heard today? Um, can, can we have like kind of an honest moment together? If... Uh, if you, if you came in this room and you heard a lot of like facts about the Bible and scripture and all that stuff and you were like, cool, that's awesome. And then you walked out of here and your life was just totally the same as it was before. Then uh, mission not accomplished. The whole reason that we talk about all these facts and figures is so you can know that you can trust the Bible. That you can trust that what's written here is God's word. In fact, I want to read to you the verse that we read at the very beginning. This is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, this isn't just a scroll. This isn't just a manuscript. This is the very word of God. And God went through great lengths to preserve it for you. He wanted to make sure that you knew his word. Like, the reason that you know that God loves you is because it's in here. The reason you know that Jesus died on the cross and then three days later was raised to life the reason you know that his death on the cross actually paid for your sin is because it's in here. It's because God wants you to be sure that you know the truth. And so when you ask the question, can the Bible 
be trusted? Like, did that actually happen? God went through great lengths to make sure that you knew the answer. That the answer is yes. That you can trust the Bible. And, and my goal is not for you to, like, fall in love with Scripture. I've said this before. My goal is for you to fall in love with the author of Scripture. Like, I want you to love God more because of what's written in Scripture. See, we ask the question, how do I know? How do I know, like, when God is speaking to me? One of the answers is Scripture. If you want to know what God thinks of you, look in Scripture. This is His word to you. And there are thousands of manuscripts and there are Dead Sea Scrolls, and there's all these artifacts to prove that the Bible is actually the Word of God. And so the question is, what will you do with the answers you heard today? Maybe there's some of you in this room that you never really paid much attention to the Bible. Maybe today is the day that you start reading this to hear what God has to say to you. Um, if, if, if that's you and you want to like really start reading scripture, um, can, I, can I make a recommendation for you? Um, I would recommend that you start reading the book of Luke. We actually talked about this at the very beginning of, um, of the talk, but I love the book of Luke because it's written from the point of view of a skeptic, of someone that did his research. This is actually how the book of Luke starts. He says this, He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things that are taught. In other words, I've written this down so that you can know what God thinks about you. So if you don't know where to begin, I would recommend this. I would recommend starting with the book of Luke, reading one chapter a day. Don't spend any more than five minutes. Just five minutes. If, if, if you've never done this before, that's okay. This is a great way to start. Just five minutes in the book of Luke every single day. And who knows? Maybe the word of God becomes alive for you. See, this isn't just a book. This is God speaking to you. Let me pray for you. God, I love these students. And I love, um, I love watching them grow in their faith. But I know that um, coming here on a Thursday night is good. But if they're not spending one-on-one time with you, if they're not reading scripture, then they're missing out on what you have for them. So I pray that they would take their honest questions about scripture. I pray that they would take those questions to you. And maybe there's some students in the room, they need to do more research. They need to go home and start researching more about scripture. Maybe for some students in the room, they're like, no, man, tonight was great. It, it, It helped me know what the truth is about scripture. But for all the students in the room, what I ask is that they would spend time with you. They they would discover that that the word of God is alive and active. And that as they're reading scripture, it's not just words on a page. It's you speaking to them. 
So would you speak to them, God, that as they, uh, as they sit down and just have like five minutes, that in those five minutes they would find that your word is alive and active. Please, God, would you, would you change their lives and would you use scripture to do that? I thank you for all of the scribes and the prophets that took such great care of your word so that we have it today, so that we can actually know you. And uh, for, these, for these students, as they sing and as they, as they worship, I pray that you would um, wake up their hearts. They would fall more in love with you as you are revealed in Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen.